When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Welcome to Basketball Gold, everybody, with Fratello and Phelps. I'm Jeff Phelps. My partner, Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach, color analyst for the LA Clippers, color analyst for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and, of course, these are the Telestrator, as named by your buddy Marv Albert back when you were working together at NBC. You're doing the Clippers games. Clippers just had a tough one. You're really busy following two teams and an entire league, sir. It's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, it would be, it would be, a, uh, be a long season if you only got a couple games to do the entire season. But very fortunately for me, uh, the Clippers have been great to me over the last three seasons. And again, this year came back and I'll do somewhere between uh, 45 and 50 games for them this season. Already done a couple studio shows for them along the way. And when people are sitting there listening, saying, well, how come he doesn't know exactly what the number is? Because as you know, Jeff, there's always a phone call that comes where one of your partners, one of the people that you work alongside of or you work opposite of, meaning he's A, you're B, uh, you get all the games that he can't do and the games that I pick up, then he's out of those games. Well, sometimes a new assignment comes up. I work with uh, Jim Jackson doing Clipper games for Bally's Sports SoCal. And Jimmy has so many things going on between the Pac-10 and TNT, NBA TV, the NCAA tournament, which is done on CBS, that all of a sudden something pops up and he might call in and say, hey, I can't do the game next Saturday. Can you fill in for me? So there's a chance of picking some up there. And then yeah. with the Cavaliers, they were nice enough this season to come and uh, gave me a 22-game package, uh, 10 assignments in the studio or at the arena pre post game show and then 12 analysts uh, type position during the course of a game so i'm excited that's a lot of basketball to do during the season it will entail some travel but who's complaining watch <laughs> the game be part of the game call the game and and if you're lucky enough you're on a team playing going to the next city that's not all that bad yeah, that's not bad at all. Uh, one of your teams had one of its greatest players, in fact, its greatest player of all time in town, Cavaliers against the Lakers on Tuesday night at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Lakers came in hot, Mike. They had won eight of their last 10 games. Uh, it was a good game. Cavaliers put together a 9 nothing run when it was tied at 92. They pulled away, led by at least five the rest of the way, and got the win over the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, a couple of things there. Anthony Davis had been hotter than hot. He was out with flu-like symptoms after about eight minutes. He scored one point. So it wasn't the Laker team that has been playing so well. Yet the Cavaliers came up with a big game. They got the win. 
I don't care really who's on the floor. If you get the win, you get the win. And Donovan Mitchell was outstanding for the Cavaliers. He's been so good all season long. But this was one of those games, Mike, where maybe they really needed him to take it over, and he did. He had 43 points in this game and was just outstanding and showed why you go out and get a guy like that. Obviously, I'm happy that the uh, Cavaliers were able to come up with the win. It's a shame uh, for the Lakers that they were starting to see that 500 mark out in front of them. Uh, they had worked their way from way back, 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, going into that one with the Cavaliers. Uh, Anthony Davis having a 10-game streak like maybe he's ever had before in his NBA career, just coming off a 55.17 rebound performance. And you say, like, this guy's on a roll, and, you know, LeBron was happy to play second fiddle. I'll, you know, I'll chip in with 28, 29 points while you're getting 55 and 17 reaps. But for him to come up with the uh, cold, flu, whatever it was, the symptoms that he had, and only uh, come up with one point uh, in the game, after the magnificent stretch run that he had of 10 previous games, it was a shame. And kudos to the rest of the guys on the Laker team because they hung in there all the way until the Cavs, as you mentioned, put that run together, which kind of opened it up a little bit for them. But yeah, that Laker team back in the beginning of the season, Jeff, may have been one of the worst teams that we've seen in the mm-hmm. NBA in a long time. Uh, not only uh, – dysfunctional, disorganized. You can put this in front of a lot of things with them <laughs> at that time, trying to figure it out. The trade room was swirling. Was Russell Westbrook going to be there? Is he a starter? Is he coming off the bench? Is he going to be out of here? You know, who wants to do a trade around the league for Russell Westbrook? You know, that telephone call was made to everyone, uh, but uh, they made a change and, and the coaching position. And when that guy finally got his, hands, feet, nails into the group. Darvin Ham. And we're talking about Darvin Ham. And they started to believe in him. They started to listen to him. Uh, Then you saw the team turn around. And obviously, when they get healthy, it helps so much. And uh, the team had gotten to a level where you go, "Uh oh, here they come to the 500 mark. And now they're right back in the play-in race or then play-off race. And I don't know, do you want to face a team that has LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Schroeder was a good pickup, bringing him back again uh, because he can score on given nights and he's good enough to make passes after he breaks guys down off the dribble. And they're just starting to form that second unit identity with Russell Westbrook coming off. So I don't know. I know this, as you said, there's a good win for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell was something special and that's why the package that they put together and gave to utah had to be uh, the magnitude that it was because that's the kind of player he is and then it certainly was nice to get jared allen back and he was only 11 of 14 from the floor which isn't a bad night shooting he had big numbers mike and again the Cavs had survived an injury which they've been doing all season long going back and forth but but i, I want to talk to you about this jared came in and he had a double-double over 20 points, over 10 rebounds. Darius Garland was terrific. But Mitchell, Allen, and Garland scored 88 of the Cavaliers, 116 points in that game. And everybody else had 28. And this is not an indictment on the Cavs. They won the game. They did a great job doing it. But nobody else had more than seven points. And, and 
the more I'm watching this around the NBA, you tell me, Mike, is this just, is this me and, and it's just hitting me? Or is it more common around the NBA today that you're seeing a team that has one or two primo guys, three if you're lucky, and in the Cavaliers' case, I think four. So they might be a little bit even more so. But then everybody else just supporting these guys. The uh, the complete team where, you know, you'd go eight, nine deep, play play all of those guys a lot, maybe even if, if you were really fortunate, you know, 10 deep on any kind of a basis. It, but it just seems like with now 30 teams, 15 guys on a roster, there's so many players in the league. There are not as many maybe elite star players percentage-wise as, as there used to be. Or, or am I am I missing this? And and this has been going on forever. It just seems to me like the whole great team concept isn't there. Now it's a couple of very elite guys and being supported by role players all the way around. You're right on a couple of the points that you made exactly, Jeff. Uh, one is it's a young league. Uh, if we have 30 teams in a league, we just say one third of the league and the bottom third are all teams that have come out and basically said we're in a rebuilding mode. We're trying to reload. I mean, that's eight to 10 teams all doing that. Uh, then you get the surprise teams that pop up all of a sudden that people didn't give a chance to. Uh, but the main guys, the heavyweights, the Milwaukee's, uh, and you know, a lot of people will say right now, um, Milwaukee, Boston, the only two legitimate contenders uh, that are playing right now uh, basketball during the regular season, and that the rest of the team are all make-believe teams. They'll go mm. and run uh, for eight, ten games, and suddenly they drop back into the pack again. Uh, you probably have more middle-of-the-road teams in the league now where they're good enough to make the playoffs, but also good enough not to, you know, not to make the playoffs by a game or two. You're going to see a I have a feeling you're going to see a whole bunch of teams when we come down the backstretch that are fighting for the play-in spot or to get in that number five and six position where they're in the playoffs. Uh, if you are fortunate enough to have three slash four dominant players that you can throw the ball to, all this switching that's going on defensively, Jeff, coaches want to pick on somebody. So if they can run their, we'll call it the old Celtic weave, and get that switch and wind up with a small guard on a big, either power forward, uh, center, and they can take advantage of that. They pound the ball in over and over again. So when you have something good going, if Garland and Donovan Mitchell can't be guarded by the other team's guards, I would expect that they would take the majority of the shots. And then who's the next guy? Well, Allen stepped up in their last game against the Lakers. Uh, but they also have a guy like Love who can come off the bench and suddenly he's getting 12, 14 field goal attempts, making eight or nine of them. He's having a big night. That's the luxury of being as deep as they are. Mike, do you like coaching a team that has maybe the setup that the Cavs have, like like Boston has, you know, Tatum and Brown, and then and, and they certainly have some other key guys, but those guys, and then you're supporting everybody. When when you had Dominique Wilkins in Atlanta, he was clearly your star at about 30 points a game. But he, I would think he had to have a pretty good night or other guys really had to step up. Is it a challenge to coach a team like that? Or is it, 
I, I won't say easier or is, is it, is it good as a coach? Because you know, you have that guy who can go and do that for you on most every night. Dominique was our go-to guy. Everybody on the team knew it. He's going to get the majority of the shots on, on most nights, but we did have a pretty balanced team that we could get scoring from Doc Rivers, a big point guard, then Randy Whitman at the two-guard spot, then Kevin Willis wound up being a pretty darn good player, seven-footer at the power forward position, who also could you know fill in if we wanted to move him over at the center spot. Coming off the bench, we had guys like John Battle who could put points on the board for us. Antoine Carr was a very good second unit guy as far as scoring for us. You could post him up. He commanded double teams. He'd pass the ball back out. So we did have depth. We could get scoring from other people. But we relied on Dominique getting us his 26, 27 to 30 points every night out. Was, that's how good he was. But, Mike, that's, you know, that team sounds deeper to me than most teams that are going in the NBA right now. Do you, do you feel it was and and that maybe teams aren't as deep now and more star reliant than, than even a team like, you know, the Bulls when they had Jordan, you guys when you had Dominique? I don't think the league was as watered down then as it is yeah. now. You know, because of all these young people expanding the size of the roster, having 15 instead of 12. And, you know, the G League has been the growth of the G League and the developmental things that it's done for these players, simply sensational. Uh, those guys who go down there work with those G League teams do one heck of a job. And the fact that they are uh, in coordination with what the GM, president, head coach of the NBA franchise want to do, I, I used to always think it was it was ludicrous, the old 10-day contract. You sign somebody to a 10-day contract out of the old CBA, whatever, the guy would come up. And you would never put him in the game as a head coach because he didn't know anything you were running. He didn't know your defensive principles. Now you get a guy and you see the day they bring him up, they put him in the game because he's been running the parent club's offense and playing defense the same way. That's that's how they've coordinated this whole thing. They work in conjunction. So now you can finally be helpful to the parent club. When someone goes down, they have a serious injury, you can go pluck somebody off that G League team, bring him up, and hopefully he'll help you win a game or two.